This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Shoutcast streaming provided by Versus the World Productions, www.vtwproductions.com. I am Gnomewise. I am Gonora. I am Iolite. I am Daxa. I am Grail. And I am Versus You. I am Versus You. And I am Versus You. I am Versus You. And I'm Versus You. Casually Hardcore, Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT, only on vtwproductions.com. Okay, welcome everybody to Talking Comics DC. Hope everyone's having. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you're all enjoying the con. Let me introduce Ethan Van Skyver, Paul Cornell, Jim Calafiori, and Joel Gomez. Happy to have you here. Hi. Happy to have them here. They're here to talk about uh, what they've been doing with DC, what they're doing right now, and uh, maybe some projects in the future as well. And we have more people. Dave Beatty as well. All right. There we go. Dave Beatty and Scott Clark as well. Come on up. So welcome all. Thanks for being here. Do we want to uh, start out maybe uh, talking about what people might know you from, uh, some of the work you might know, and then uh, what you're working on? Well, I write action comics with Superman at the moment, uh, which is rather fun. And um, yes, that's, that's, that's it for me at DC right now. Um, I'm doing Secret Six right now. I had done Gotham Underground and a bunch of stuff on the different Bat books, and uh, right now I'm in Secret Six. Uh, I just wrapped up on uh, Reverse Flash for Flashpoint, number one, uh, so hence the uh, Reverse Flash shirt. Uh, I used to be a staff artist at Wildstorm, uh, worked on Authority the last year, and a bunch of licensing books over there at Wildstorm. Um, I worked on uh, Justice League, Cry for Justice, and uh, Brightest Day, and I'm getting ready to start on Batman Incorporated. Same thing, we're a team, so yeah, we work together. We worked on all the, all the same stuff. So. Um, I'm working on three secret things right now, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of awkward. Yeah. But you, you may know me from Green Lantern Rebirth, and Sinestro Corps, and Blackest Night, and Flash Rebirth. <laughs> I am also working on three secret things right now, but I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're only working on one. <laughs> so we're not going to waste any time. We're just going to go for your questions. Do you guys uh, have any questions for the, uh, the creators here? There's a, uh, a microphone right here. And uh, feel free to come up and ask them anything you'd like. This crowd knows everything. Yeah. They don't have any questions. <laughs> we should be asking them questions. I got a question to, to warm up. Is there anything that's coming out that you guys aren't working on yourself, but that you're anticipating, that you're looking forward to, to seeing? No, because it's all secret. We're not talking about anything. You should see these non-disclosure agreements. Right? They're terrifying. Did you have to sign one of yes. those? Yeah. 
Exactly. My firstborn child. I haven't had any children yet. They would own it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any questions out there? Hands? No, you have to walk to the microphone, sir. <laughs> so the other question I have is, you know, it, it seems to me that every time they do a movie, like The Last Superman, and I'm sorry, it sucked. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Why, Why don't they get writers for the comic books to go up and write these stories? I mean, come on. Superman, the last movie, and number five was, like, trash. And even Christopher Reeve said he wouldn't even discuss the movie he was in with, with uh, Richard Pryor because he said it was a comedy. I just don't understand why they don't come to you guys and who are writing for the comic books and ask to write a screenplay or at least a story where they can go off of that's decent. Well, this does happen a bit. They um, do. Often, yeah. Mark Guggenheim um, wrote the first draft of the Green Lantern movie. Uh, it doesn't happen often enough. Nobody's asked Paul Cornell <coughs> to write the new Superman movie that I know of. They should. Um, Gail did that wonderful uh, Wonder Woman animated Gale, movie. Yeah, the animated series, or the animated um, DVDs that they put out are usually written you know, by DC Creative Talent. Um, but yeah, I agree. That last Superman movie was written by evil, corrupt, <laughs> sinister, heartless, Hollywood cowards. <laughs> and, uh, who, who, what do you think of I'm not reading anything Kevin Smith writes. No. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cool, Mr. Ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I know they're supposed to be the Department of Metahuman Affairs, but I'm just wondering uh, how the co how common people are supposed to be reacting. I mean, if another country uh, developed some new technology, everyone in America would be flipping out. Uh, how do people react to, you know, aliens like Superman and John Jones and you know, essentially space cops claiming jurisdiction? Well, I mean, you're, you're, I'll jump in. That's a right. Just a completely off-the-cuff opinion. I mean, you're talking about real world, real world versus superhero world. Things that there's things you just don't deal with because it would spin off in odd directions. There's just no way to handle that generally. Like when France was testing nuclear bombs in the ocean, Aquaman did nothing. If he would have done something, it would have been unable to deal with that. So there's certain conventions that you just ignore what's happened, ignore real world considerations, in my opinion. I, I do think both the Marvel and the DC universes are very anti-science fictional worlds because they've got these things in them which would change all of human civilization. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't actually happen. It's still a recognizable world like ours. Why is Barbara Gordon still in a wheelchair? Yeah. yeah. When they Zaytana could say fixed spine backwards. Yeah. I mean, doesn't she have friends? What, you know? It's unbelievable. But yeah, there are some things that you just have to roll with. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> Help your friends. Why would she do that? I know, but see, that's... Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, but... <laughs> but Enips Zips would sound kind of dirty to me. I like it. I like it. Satan, will you say that slowly? <laughs> okay. Hello. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Batman. I've been 
a fan of Batman since as far back as I can remember, and I'm actually really excited about Batman Incorporated, and I'm sure you guys will be an awesome addition to the team. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, oh, my heart's pounding. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only get like one chance to talk to you guys. So it's cool. Dude, it's just us. We're just guys <laughs> like you. Don't be yeah. nervous. Except you get paid more. These people are. All <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I was thinking about a lot of uh, Flashpoint, the new, obviously the new uh, event, and what kind of scares me is like some of the things that people are saying about it. They're like. Oh, there's rumors going around that DC is going to reboot the entire universe, and that scares the crap out of me. Because I'm like, should I buy the next Batman because it's going to be one of the last after August? Yeah. Well, of course you'd say that. You would. So I mean, it's, I mean, there's, you know, obviously after every event there's a huge shakeup, and certain things get incorporated into the main DCU from that event, you know, like after Blackest Night, there's still a couple Black Lanterns hanging around, causing mayhem, you know, that's what they do. And, uh, you know, like, I think a big shakeup for after Flashpoint, assuming DC doesn't reboot the whole thing, would be to possibly keep Thomas Wayne, assuming that is Thomas Wayne as Batman, and just incorporate him back. I think that would be friggin' insane. I feel rather upset that I've developed 120 new um, British DC superheroes and supervillains, and they've all been bloody wiped out in Flashpoint. I think that's terrible. <laughs> See? So, well, anyways, if, if I'm I could chime down. in for just a second, the, the thing for uh, Flashpoint Wonder Woman, because Scott and I worked on uh, Wonder Woman and the Furies, is it was the opportunity to do some things visually that were kind of fun. Um, so we really put a lot of effort and work into Flashpoint Wonder Woman. So I know that all the creators, I'm pretty sure Joel here is, is very proud of his work on Reverse Flash. So we're all hoping that people will support Flashpoint and read the series and take them as stories, you know, and, and you know, that's what it is. Um, and hopefully appreciate the art. Um, like, for example, the, the equation I keep hearing on the Internet is that this is DC's version of Age of Apocalypse. And... I loved Age of Apocalypse when it came out. I really enjoyed that storyline. So to get to be a part of something like that and create something like that was an awful lot of fun. So despite whatever everyone's worried about, what is or isn't going to happen, um, I'm hoping that people will still read Flashpoint Wonder Woman because I know a lot of the creators working on it really put their heart and soul into it. So. And plus you're listening to rumors and getting worried about rumors. You know, it's uh, like, you know, I'm going to read it out uh, of fear. Okay, well, uh, where is um, DC going to go after this, uh, after Comic-Con and, you know, after the, after you published Batman Incorporated? That's awfully broad. You have, uh, can you narrow that down to something? Where is uh, DC going to go after Bat, after this event? Same question. Most of us wouldn't know that information anyway, because it's paid way up at the top. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> what we do know, we can't say. Is this going to be a third version of that question? No. <laughs> Thank First you. of all, just right off the bat, I'll do my shout-outs. Brightest Day was amazing. Um, Reverse Flash is one of the sickest villains we've had this year. And obviously, Blackest Night was like, holy crap, awesome. This is... No, no, I have none of the question... My question for any of you guys, though. It's for uh, Action Comics. Uh, are we going to see more Lex and... To elaborate on the whole year of less we've had, what started that? Um.
I don't know if you're going to see more Lex, um, but uh, I was handed um, that as a package. Would you like mm-hmm. to write action comics starring Lex Luthor? And I just grabbed it with both hands. When I became, when I w- uh, became DC exclusive, my wife actually um, said... Oh, I, I, no, I said to my wife... Um, uh, well, it's not going to be action comics, is it? It'll be a mini-series or something they give me. And it was action comics. <laughs> and um, because I have a habit of being on comics that get uh, cancelled, um, <laughs> my, my, my personal best is 15 issues in an annual. Ah. That's as far, as far as any comics successfully run under my uh, stewardship. Um, my, my wife said, well... They won't cancel action comics, will they? <laughs> so, you know, I think I'm, I'm quite happy to be, um, you know, finally on an uncancelable title, at least. <laughs> so Lex isn't coming back for a while, you reckon? Um, yeah, we, we, uh, honestly, uh, after a year of Lex, I think we need to, um, you know, be away from him for a little while. <sighs> okay. Thank you. No! <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that! <laughs> uh, can I ask two questions? Uh, first is, are, are there any uh, plans you guys can talk about about uh, Earth-1 comics that are coming up? Like Earth One, or like the, the Earth-1 Superman story that come up. Are there any plans coming up in the, that you know about for like Earth-1 Batman or that sort of stuff? No? Do you mean the, the graphic novels? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes. Shane Davis is working on the sequel to Superman. And we all know Batman is uh, being done by um, Jeff Johns and um, Gary Frank. Frank. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a masterpiece. Uh, The other one, uh, after Action Comics 100 came out, there was huge controversy around in the States. I mean, oh, oh, huge, oh. <laughs> huge for a comic book controversy, I'd say. Um, but uh, I noticed that the, the, the DC re- uh, response was relatively minimal. Hmm. Uh, why was that? Well, actually, I don't think, honestly, people have sort of said this was some sort of master plan. I think none of us actually anticipated that would happen. And um, I was kind of upset because I was hoping people would pay some more attention to the lead story. And uh, I got my mum phoning me going, what have you done with Superman? And um, the, the, the great SF author, Jeff Ryman, who's a big Superman fan, rang me at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Jeff Ryman on my phone, what, 8 a.m.? What? What's wrong, Jeff? What have you done with Superman? And, then, and then somebody on my Facebook popped up going, I hear you've killed Superman. This is getting, it's not me at all. I didn't do this. Nothing to do with me. I love it, though. I think Marvel, or DC, DC, not Marvel. DC should have run with it the way Marvel would run with something like that that you mm-hmm. stumble upon accidentally yeah. that enrages fans just make Superman leave no America have General Zod come down <laughs> and take Zod bless America 12 issue <laughs> event you know like the three supervillains on Mount Rushmore you know <laughs> so awesome Be- because it meant that we sold out the issue I think he should leave a different country every issue we oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely looking at your face as I answer these questions <laughs> I thought Thank we you. had a pants policy here, but I don't yeah, know. He's like, I have two questions. I was like, I have one, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, just a quick pop. I mean, I really love The Blackest Night and The Brightest Day, everything that you guys have done, and I'm reading more into comics. I've gotten into them a lot recently. Um, but I just wanted to know, just generally, I mean, we're talking about Green Lantern, Batman, Superman. Are there any, like, um, lesser-known DC heroes that you guys love to draw or, you know, love to kind of, you know, write for or anything? Well, 
No, I was going to say start with Paul. No, yeah, I mean, you have well, Secret well, Six or anything, but I mean, just anyone that you're not currently working on, just generally. Well, well, there's no vacancy, but I love Green Arrow, and I'd really love to write that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but J JT is doing a fabulous job there, and I, I love everything Gail Simone does, so, you know, Secret Six, stuff like that. My favorite characters at DC have always been metal men, which is just odd. Well, yeah, I know. But they never sell. Everybody's right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, metal men, and they just oh, don't sell. And, and need, needless to say, Captain Marvel. I mean, that's my absolute favorite of all time. We, Captain we call them Shazam you just now. took my answer. <laughs> <laughs> they lost the case. It's Shazam. I'm a big fan of uh, Swamp Thing and uh, kind of partial Hex as well, Jonah Hex. I'd love Sweet. to do something with either one of those things. Big fan of those. See, if we all did what we want to do, apparently we'd be broke. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I think that's the, one of the great things is that, I mean, you guys work on these big name people, but you all have your own interests with the little ones because, I mean, I know I have a big favor with, uh, you know, Metamorpho or whatever, so, but I don't, you know, don't see many comics for him, so, but he's one of my favorites, so. Um, yeah, really for me, it's uh, Paul took my answer. It's Captain Marvel. I've loved Cap Captain Marvel since I saw his filmation cartoons when I was a kid. I love C.C. Beck's work and Kurt Schaefenberger, and man, that stuff is fantastic. So Captain Marvel definitely for me, if I got to pick, so, which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> My answers were taken, too, everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. well, what are they? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, probably Captain Marvel. Really? Yeah. Everybody loves Captain Marvel. Yep. You know, last year it was Aquaman. Everybody would have said Aquaman <laughs> right down the line. I don't uh, understand why people don't like Aquaman. You know? Plastic Man, you know, honestly, one of these characters that DC has had rolling around for 50 years, unchanged, still like wearing like the underpants and no shoes. <laughs> he has not benefited from one costume adjustment since Jack Holt created him in 1941. And Jack Holt was the only guy, in my opinion, no offense to anyone out there, Jack Holt's the only one who ever got Plastic Man right. Mm -hmm. So my career goal is to take Plastic Man and bring him back, restore the Irish gangster roots of Elo <laughs> and make that look cool again. Um, First of all, you guys are awesome. Thanks for coming to Phoenix. I know it's not as big as San Diego. Um, somebody brought up the crappy Superman movies. How do you guys feel about some of the crappy video games that have come out? And are there any DC video games like Arkham City that you're actually looking forward to? I'm, I really, I really loved Arkham. I thought that was great. I just played it yeah. recently. I got, uh, got a coupon from Best Buy, <laughs> and I bought the Game of the Year edition. I enjoyed it. The ending kind of petered out for me. They kind of said, "Let's get out of here," but uh, I thought it was well done and enjoyed that. So, if any, the set, the, the Arkham City, right? Yeah, Arkham City. Yeah. I got to see Carlos Tiana doing a lot of design work for Arkham uh, and for Arkham City. And uh, just to see how it all translated and what they used and didn't use, uh, I was just amazed at how much of it they did use and how much of an impact it actually had in the gameplay uh, of actually making you feel like it's a really cool or really kick-ass environment and things like this. Awesome. So uh, I, I just enjoyed it and I thought it was the best comic book translated game, I guess. That awesome. That makes me super excited. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I don't get time to play video games very much, <laughs> and unfortunately the last uh, DC style game I played was Mortal Kombat versus DC, <laughs> and to beat the hell out of the Mortal Kombat characters of Captain Marvel rocked. So. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, DC has kept us pretty busy, so I haven't, I have not played any of them yet. So it's going to be a while to, before I catch up. Yeah, I don't, I don't have video. I have a Donkey Kong machine. I think that's the last. I saw King of Kong, and I went, "Oh yeah, video games are cool. I want to be the King of Kong." But I don't play video games. Sorry to say. Uh, thank you for all coming out. This is amazing to me. I've never done a con and actually asked a question of a panel. So thank you very much. Um, I love all your work. But I do have two questions for Paul. First, I want to say I love um, Squire Knight, the first series. I loved it. I wish Yannick could have drawn the interiors. I love the covers, but I love your work in that. Um, my question is, will you be doing a second miniseries for um, Knight and Squire? Well, I've now met everybody who bought the Knight and Squire miniseries. So, hey! <laughs> I must say, I love Jimmy Broxton's work. Um, mm. the, the interiors of Knight and Squire, it's my favourite thing I've ever done in comics, those six issues. Mm. And um, we had such a lot of support from uh, the editorial. And um, Janelle, uh, uh, formerly Siegel now, oh, what's she called? Asselin. Um, uh, she was so into it that her boyfriend for her birthday got her a specially bound edition of all six issues. Oh, really? Wow. And um, just the ability to do 120 new British um, superheroes I and supervillains, yes. all of whom have now been exterminated by Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the Milkman wouldn't have gone down without a fight. But That's true, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I just had a wonderful, wonderful time with it. And um, thank you so much. Uh, oh, I, I do want Jimmy Broxton to be bit more recognized. I think he's. A I mean, I liked his work. I just, I'm a big Yannick Paquette fan, so I oh, just, yeah. I just love the covers he did for that. So. Oh yeah, and uh, Dave Gibbons came up to Jimmy at Kapow and uh, told him how much he loved it, which made his day absolutely. And my other question: When will your start or your stint on Wild Cards, a novel series, begin? Um, there's the Wild Cards uh, anthology is out this June, um, and I'm in that. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm, George Martin um, has told me that he's going to pay me with a golden crown. I don't know what that means. But, uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, Game of Thrones in-joke. But, um, uh, but no, I'm really loving being part of Wild Cards. Thank you. No problem. And also, I love Captain, Captain Britain and MI13. I wish it could stayed more than 15 issues. Thank you. 15 Thank issues and an annual. Thank yes, you. that's right. I got the annual, too. I really like the annual that much, but I love the 15 issues, though. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, my question is actually for Paul Cornell as well. Oh, I'm, I'm taking, sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, taking on something like Superman after you know so many years of other writers, I'm just curious. How do you make a, a character like that human and accessible? And how do you have a unique take? I mean, is there is there kind of an anxiety of influence when you take it over, or how did you approach it? Um, yes, I'm terrified. Um, <laughs> it's. Um, I, I think there's a, a couple of things. There's. Um, I'm very much influenced by the movies because I think Christopher Reeve and Richard Donner made all sorts of good decisions. And um, making Superman human, you make him vulnerable by giving him thought balloons. Um, uh, seriously. Uh, me and Chris Robeson both accidentally did this at the in the same month. And so now currently um, Superman's unique superpower in the DC universe is that he has thought balloons. Um, but it's because he does suffer doubt and fear and horrors of his own, but he doesn't want to tell them to anybody around him because that might make them doubt and fear. So he thinks about them, he worries, and there's going to be a lot more of that in the next few issues um, because he's not, he's, 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 he's Clark Kent. Um, he's Clark Kent, a wonderful, really well-raised American um, with an interesting ethnic heritage. And um, Clark, Kent, Clark Kent worries. Superman worries. That's how you make him vulnerable. Sorry, I, I went on and on. That was awesome. <laughs>
<laughs> I think we could expand that question actually to all of you for, yeah. for any of the larger properties that you've done. How, how do you deal with kind of being maybe intimidated by that and making it relatable to people, especially if it's been written for 50 years before you got it? I guess we should go down the line, Jim. Uh, I'm not a writer. Um, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. You know, You're not a writer. Uh, with Superman, um, I, I, I've always looked at him, just the one line I always use is, he's the alien who shows us what it's like to be human. And that's the line, I, that's the way I've always just thought about him. So that's the only contribution I can really make. I'm just drawing these guys. I try to make them more human by hopefully they look proportionally vaguely human. Yeah, but, yeah, but as artists though, you know, we have to deal with um, the legacy of great artists that came before. For example, I mean, how, you know, how easy is it to step in the shoes of drawing Superman when you've had John Byrne? And you've right. had, you know, all the, the great artists from the from and the Silver I'm Age. Doing Batman when I was doing Gotham Underground. Yeah. I get, I, I'm in terms of really, uh, I try to just go into it. I mean, in terms of making them human and making them connect, it's facial expressions. I mean, you can remember the glut of the, you know, the '90s or '80s or wherever it was, that where everybody was just ah. <laughs> and he said, God, I'm sad. Ah! <laughs> you know, and to make it human as an artist is to really get the Most of the, the readers were making down. that same face. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the best way I can make characters human is by interpreting what the uh, writer is actually saying. Even if they're not saying he's feeling sad, what the dialogue is saying, what the moment's saying, and trying to get that facial expression across and work more subtly than the extreme. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'm next. Um, well, as an inker, um, most of the characters we've worked on that are you know legacy characters, uh, most of what I'm trying to do is is just complete um, Scott's vision. You know what he is trying to achieve. But a lot of times we will talk about the great artists or the great runs. You know that that have come before and. You know, what did this person do that was so fantastic? What did that person do that was so fantastic? And then what we try to do is, in our own way, take the, the great things from the past and then mix it with things that are new and, and hopefully take it in a slightly different direction and, and, and present it so that it still has all that gravitas and that wonder, and, you know, all that existed before, you know, but give it something just a little, a little bit of us. At least that's when I'm inking, that's what I'm thinking of. So... Dave said it pretty well. That's as artists, that's been, uh, everything that was said before: expressions, body, body expression, everything. It's uh, try to try to do it and um, as best you can, and and uh, keep up with everything that came before, and try to add a little something new. So. Yeah, I think it's really important not to get too intimidated by the great artists that came before, and also when you're taking a character. That, that the world owns, like Batman um, or Green Lantern, um, it doesn't hurt to feel some bit of ownership over them. At least it doesn't hurt until they're taken away from you. And then it hurts like hell. But while you've got them, you go, you know, Clark Kent, Hal Jordan, Bruce Wayne, they're my guy, and I'm going to depict them as I want to, and I'm going to move them around, because for this short space of time, they belong to me. And if you can feel like that, you feel free, and you don't feel encumbered by what other people have done or intimidated by Neil Adams 
or John Byrne or any of these guys who I really respect. It's and, helpful. And you're selling the audience short if you do it half-heartedly and are in the shadow of previous creators. Oh, yeah, people know. Yeah. People recognize, and they, and they forget your name. But, I mean, you know, you see, you know, Yannick Bouquet, you know, uh, will come out and he'll, he'll put his own stamp on a character, and, and people appreciate that, you know. Okay. Uh, this question is mostly for the artist, but Paul, you might have something to throw in about the scripting of this. Um, uh, this actually comes from some of the discussion yesterday at the Brightest Day panel. Um, some of you were talking a bit about with DC being a monthly publisher, sometimes deadlines would get kind of tight, late scripts, you know, uh, error corrections having to be done on art. With that, has there been something with your work at DC that you, you had to just push out that you kind of wish you could take back and maybe do it again or have a little bit more time to work on? 90% of it. <laughs> it's so hard. It's That's so hard. hard. Yeah. I think the idea to me I'm learning more as I get further along in this is that uh, the more comfortable I am working uncomfortably, uh, the better off I am mm -hmm. because you're always going to find that something may always shake you up or you know rattle your cage. You know, uh, something corrections may you know trip you up a late scripts, uh, but those are things that you are they are completely out of your control, and all you can do is what's in front of you, and you know it's just like anything else in that way where uh, you you will be affected. You know, if somebody's telling you, hey, there's a, you've got like six pages of corrections, and you still have maybe five pages to finish the book, it's going to slow you down mentally. It's gonna it's gonna your confidence is going to feel a little weird, but that's. As a professional, that's up to you to just kind of power through, and that's what I mean by saying sometimes you have to be okay with being uncomfortable and just running and gunning because uh, it's the best way and to ensure that you know you don't go insane, uh, but it also makes sure to to just put your best foot forward as far as just getting it done. You know. All right. Thank you. I don't know if any of you guys know this, but I'm just wondering if you guys knew what uh, John Constantine's role in the mainstream DC universe is going to be now that he's come back to it. Smoking a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Probably goes into spoiler territory. Ah. They can't, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I was shocked to see him at the end. Has anyone not read All of Brightest Day yet finished it in the room? Okay, I, I have to stop talking at this point. So no, no, I don't know. Thank you. Cool. That was more than Dan DiDio would have said. Dan DiDio would have said, uh, next question. And that would have been it. So we're doing good. Uh, I have a question about uh, the large events that are constantly happening. Do you feel it's actually taking away from like more detailed storytelling? Because the, all the events are supposed to be designed to like sort of make things exciting and shake things up. And... You, we don't, as readers, really have much of a time to get used to the new changes before either it goes straight back to what it was originally, and so all of those changes were kind of pointless to begin with, or is there's an, a new set of changes and you haven't had a chance to, I mean, part of the appeal of many of the characters is that we've had a long time with them and they haven't changed, they are, they're comforting, and now all we're doing is constantly changing them. I, th I think there's a big dichotomy here, and I've never really understood it. All comic readers say is that they hate the big events. All comic readers do is buy big event titles. <laughs> well, um, you guys should just talk amongst yourselves and sort that out, really. Well, it's, it's yeah, sort of, it's kind of like the only like, game really in town, like though. Point and Brightest so. Day and Blackest Night, and it's like, that's what you guys remember. That's and what we're going to give you. Blackest yeah. Night was also, I mean, it was, if you talk about an event that's going to change everything, it was also cleverly... Uh, orchestrated that it all dealt with everybody's past, period. 
That's all that that was about. We, was we brought everybody was back everybody. to the status quo. We brought all these uh, dead characters back. I thought it was about zombies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks. I just had a real quick question from the, uh, an earlier panel I saw that Paul was talking about uh, Superman denouncing his American ship, basically, and I agree with the idea of the story, but I also, I heard him, like, I, I heard about the story originally on uh, the morning news here in Arizona, they talked about Superman and that, and uh, I had not gotten to that part of the book yet before I saw it on the news, and I thought it was pretty amazing that it made it to the news before I had read it in the book, but as an artist, have any of you guys gotten any grief like that from people like that, like, why would you work on a book like this? Like, I totally agree with what he wrote, but have any of you guys gotten grief for writing, doing anything like that? We're all American up here, sir. We wouldn't have worked on that story. <laughs> it was good work. I just want to say that, man. I do not disagree with what Superman said in it. I got what you were going for in the idea of it, but it was, just, it was, it was great. I <laughs> the fifth column over there. But as an artist, have any of you guys worked on stuff that people have asked you, like, well, why would you work on something like this? Because I've noticed that DC Comics seems to get like a lot more personal with like, things that are going on now as opposed to other writers. I did an anti-gun tract called Batman, Catwoman, Trail of the Gun. My wife is an NRA instructor. <laughs> I heard about that quite a bit. But, you know, my, my point of view is, as an artist, as a comic book artist, um, unless I'm integral to creating the storyline, my job is to pretty much draw the POV that the writer presents me, period. I take myself out of it and try to put him or her across as best as possible. So it happens all the time. Do I get grief for it? No, because nobody fucking read it. <laughs> but, but I think uh, if, you know, big things like that, big things like that Superman story, yeah, I think you've got to be prepared to defend your, your point of view. Yeah. Um, I disagree with that Superman story. I had no strongly. problems with it myself. Like I said, I heard about it on the news before I read it, and I bought the book for the main story. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's this guy again. God. It's me again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you I've wrap that back. cape around you or something? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, poor guy. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you guys a little less uncomfortable. I've been walking around here all day like this, so. <laughs> you turned it into a dress. What's that? I know. The other way it could be a toga. Yeah, right. There you go. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it makes me it makes me more uncomfortable it's to have this thing wrapped around me. It's not costume. It's the pose. I don't know. I'm getting more comfortable with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's quite you walk around in your underwear all day, figure out how to stand for me, and we'll communicate. We'll figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. The stance, the hard thing. Um, but are there any uh, writer artists, writers or artists that you would like to work with that you haven't had the chance to? Yeah, Paul. Oh, oh, thank you. I'm vice versa. Let's do do this. Awesome. Yes. Tell me my answer, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Paul, a bunch of artists. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure there are quite a few. I've got. Uh, I mean, I just like the idea of working uh, with people that have a great synergy. Uh, a lot of times, meeting somebody, you get a better idea of how they are, uh, and you realize, hey, I like this person. I can actually do things with them, and uh, sometimes I always benefit from those kinds of interactions, uh, and it's, it's easier to bring out the best in somebody. I've actually had an opportunity or two to work with writers I thought I'd want to work with, 
uh, and then the experience didn't turn out exactly how I planned. It wasn't necessarily bad, but I always thought, wow, I thought he was the, the catalyst for why that other thing I read that he wrote was so good. And you come to realize maybe it wasn't good. So it just, it kind of, it's, it's hard to say. It's peaks and valleys. That just depends on what the, what the subject is or the story. Am I hallucinating, or is that Dr. Manhattan sitting over there? Because I didn't see him at first. <laughs> he has pants on. Sorry. <laughs> I've been uh, lucky enough to work with some pretty big icons. Uh, you got to be a little careful what you wish for, though, because I, I worked with Alan Moore back in the 90s, mm. and uh, uh, the script you get with the notes and the drawings and all the stuff is daunting. And then... Uh, we just got the script for this issue of Batman, and I've never worked with Morrison before. Fantastic. Uh, every page on the Word document is a panel description. The entire page. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you go. But, but yeah, I've been really lucky with, with that. So. If I could um, pick somebody um, to save these gentlemen's blushes um, from the mists of time that, that is impossible. Um, I was hugely influenced by the Buscemas uh, when I was reading comics and still am. I think the two, those two um, just define a certain style that I find incredibly satisfying to read. Well, Sal's still around, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know, is he? Yeah. 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 Ah. yeah. Mm. Let's say fantasy writers. Fantasy writers, like somebody who's dead. Like a, I would like to work with Rod Serling on Superman. <laughs> oh, oh he'd make a, he'd do a bloody wonderful Superman. Oh my God! I, I've been I've been lucky to get some people. Like I worked with Peter David on Aquaman for a while, and that was a lot of fun. And I'm working with Gail now, and that's a lot of fun. Um, it's just honestly, there's so many people I admire as writers that I, I even know personally. It's just would be great to work with. Um, you know, I've never worked with Jeff. I, I love his writing and. Kurt, I, I, I'm a huge Astro City fan, and I just, I, I give up something to work with him, you know. Um, but it's just, uh, I don't feel like I've been missing out, you know. I've had some pretty good writers to work with. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it looked to me. Um, hi. Here's a fun little question. If you could, if you had the control over this, to just kill off any character from DC, they could never be brought back, who would you get rid of? Batman. <laughs> I have a, just a brief interjection on this. I, when I was uh, younger, uh, reading comics, um, I remember calling in to vote to kill Jason Todd. <laughs> and at the time, I felt like it was the right decision to make, but I felt really bad afterwards. And then uh, a brief time later, I, the first time I met Mike Carlin was at a fantasy convention in Memphis, Tennessee. And I walked up to him with me and some of my friends, and we were in high school and, and very opinionated and, and, you know, I don't know, just very angry for some weird reason. I don't know why. And he was asking us, he's like, what would we need to do to get you guys to read Superman. And without thinking, I blurted out, kill him. And then later on when they killed him, I also felt remorseful. So I'm not, I'm not naming any other characters. I got enough guilt. So you've been screwing up the DC universe for years. <laughs> if he was listening to me, yes. And then you killed the comic book industry because the death of Superman eventually led to the collapse in the 90s. How do you sleep at night? Oh my God.
I, uh, this, I've actually said this at panels before. All deference to Jack Kirby. I think the Black Racer is the dumbest character I've ever seen on those freaking skis with the ski poles. And the fact that he hasn't been left as a black smear on some mountain is just a travesty. He's not hurting anyone. Oh, he's hard. I want to kill Superboy See him coming Prime. through a page? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's Silver Surfer. You know, you try to recapture that lightning, yeah. essentially. Skiing, surfing. Is it Ragman? Is that the guy? Who looks like Ragman. Uh, Ragman. Uh, cra crazy quilt. That's something. He, he looks like a Raggedy Ann doll kind of a guy. Yeah. It's Ragman. Or is it Brother Love? No, Brother Love. I don't know. Brother, brother Love? love? I, 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 oh, you mean Brother Power the Geek? Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Brother Power. You, right. You've got something against Brother Power the Geek. He's <laughs> <laughs> only had two <laughs> issues. <laughs> <laughs> Why Superboy Prime? I, I hate him. Superboy Prime Why? so much. The way he talks and everything, I, I just don't, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't get into it because I'll stammer with emotion. I mean, I just really dislike the character. That's all. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. Superboy Prime's going to kill you to death. Yeah, he's going to punch reality, I know. Oh. <laughs> punch oh, the world so in, hard it breaks. He's in this world, isn't he? Superboy Prime. So you may be under threat. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, this ought to be an interesting one. Um, across the board, each of you, what is the least favorite thing you have done, be it a single issue, a story arc, or a whole like mini-series or whatnot? Least favorite thing you've done and why? Worked for the, a struggling newspaper company for eight years. Ah. That's the worst thing I ever did. Oh, we're going outside of comics. Oh, I don't well, think that's what I, you want. I, I, was, I, I, I was actually going for in comics, but as a journalism <laughs> major, I'm very depressed for, by that response. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me give you a brief, a brief thing. I, I've only been working professionally full-time in comics for about a year and a half, so I'm, I'm a newbie. Mm -hmm. I am so excited and thrilled to get to meet and, and work with so many people, and, and um, I just I can't believe I'm getting to do this. And so I, I haven't, there have been times when we're under deadline stress and I don't enjoy that, mm -hmm. but I had that and like a thousand times more worse stuff going on in other jobs. So I just, I, so far there's, there's nothing I would consider bad. I've just loved and enjoyed it, so. I think, I think I really messed up that Black Widow miniseries. It's nobody's fault but mine. Um, I went for that really awkward modern-day origin two-stories thing. She's got so much history and origin that there just wasn't room to do it justice and do a modern-day story, and I think the series really suffers because of that, despite some nice art. So, yeah, that's my worst thing. Um, well, outside of comics... Hey, you can give us two. I used to, yeah, I'll give two. Give you two. I, I used to deliver frozen foods years ago, and we'd have to unload the freezer, and the sun wasn't even up. And in winter, I would stand inside the freezer to warm up. That's how bad it was. In comics, I, there's a lot of things I'm like, ooh, you know, didn't like. I've, the worst thing I've done has been hired to help a book go to the grave, where at Marvel, for example, they called me up and said, we're killing Black Panther's book. The artist bailed, give us a hand, you know, and I knew the editor, so I was like, okay. That, that feels really uh, draining to go through that. So that's the sort of thing that's, that can be a little mm -hmm. enervating, you know. Uh, I pretty much was on a book like that at uh, Wildstorm. I got uh, a five-issue run on Wetworks. Uh, 
and I thought it was going to be exciting because it was this thing that I was a big fan of as a kid. Uh, I spoke to Will Sportesio about it, uh, and I was thinking this is going to be great. And I was talking to Will, and he's like, oh, so uh, that's great. You can you draw these uh, these last five issues. And I was like, well, last five issues? Like, yeah, we couldn't find anybody, so it'd be great. We said, thanks for helping out. And I was just like, oh, great. This is awesome. And so it's it kind of put a little sting to the. Did the you whole say thing. to him, Wills, why if they hunt vampires and and werewolves, why are they covered in in gold and not silver? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the very first thing I'd ask him. If yeah, I was mad at him, which I'm not. See, that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. That was it. I have plenty of early stuff. I think I was a uh, uh, little green and had a lot of you know a lot of crazy stuff coming at me and and. Maybe not quite experienced enough, so so I have quite a bit of early stuff. I'll, I'll, I won't name it all. <laughs> so. Everything I've done is totally fucking awesome. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask you guys um, if they're if working with an artist or a writer or anything. Has there ever been a point where it's just been a deal breaker and you just have to call it off? Like you just can't work with that person at all? Because I, I know I've talked to artists and You're writers here at a few person. times, and they've talked about you know like you're saying you know that guy's panel is a page long of descriptions. So like, has there ever been a situation where you just have to kind of walk up and leave? Someone like Morrison, obviously, that would not be a deal breaker. So, <laughs> um, personally, no, 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 not really. You want name names or just no? Like, you don't have to call anyone out. Like I mean, I'm yes, just like there's been a situation <laughs> once or twice. That what, it happens. It's just a fact. You don't. We're people. You right. know, we have we have likes and dislikes and conflicts just like everybody else. So sometimes you have to say, I, I really can't do that. It, it's never been personal. There was an artist on one thing I did, and I'm not. You won't be able to identify it. Um, where we actually had to change the plot substantially because he simply hadn't drawn the important things that would allow us to do the, the plot as written. And, you know, when you have to do that, I wasn't, I wasn't very impressed. I tutted. I was, I was supposed to do this, this two-part Wolverine thing. This is when Marvel was not paying attention to Wolverine at all. You could write it. And, like... Um, it was this two-part story where the Pope in the Vatican was sending off these ELF waves to New York City to force Americans to become Catholic. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Sending elves to make Americans go Catholic, and Wolverine had to go to the Vatican and kick some Catholic ass. Kick some papal ass. And, and I said, no thanks. <laughs> but somebody else did draw it, and it, it, is, it is in print, and it to me, it's the most hilarious Wolverine story I've ever read. One, issues 176, 177, I remember. I ended up doing 179, which was Alpha Flight, and there was a scene where Puck punches Wolverine in the balls. And I, you know, he's like, there's no adamantium there. And he fell over, and I was like, that's so, you know, that's so retro. So uh, look up the look up the evil pope storyline. One seventy six, one seventy seven. You will laugh your asses off. It's brilliant. And uh, there you go. Thank you. I just want to say you guys are doing a great job. I want to thank you for that. Uh, this is also another board across the board question. If uh, DC Entertainment uh, gave you the opportunity to write a script for a uh, DC animated movie, 
uh, what character would that be? Also, would it be like an origin story, an adaptation of something you worked on previously, or something completely original? Well, I hate to repeat myself, but Captain Marvel, I think he'd make a fantastic animated movie. Um, yeah, and I, I think, is there an animated? Oh, there we are. Yeah, but it's a short. We want a we want a whole hour and a half, two hour. You know like, why yeah. they can't get that together? Captain Marvel in this day and age, Billy Batson, Boy Reporter in the age of iCarly and the internet, and children actually able to make their own news. It works so much better now than it ever did, and DC's going. Mm -hmm. So many people want to do it. And that costume looks great now. I love that yeah. costume. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's the best power fantasy ever to be a child and want to be a superhero. I mean, it's, that's what these, these superheroes are. They're power fantasies, and that one is so potent and wonderful. You know? Yeah, so many people want Would you have Talkie Tawny? I think we might get to Talkie Tawny a long time. You know, and there's, he's got a strange rogues gallery. I mean, I use Savannah. Mr. Mind. Savannah's nice, but yeah. um, uh, I, I think... Mr. Mind? Mr. Mind is groovy. Um, <laughs> would he wear glasses? In yours? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a, a... Go whole hog. Just te telepathic caterpillar from Venus, of course. He can do what he likes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. I just get goosebumps about it. Yeah. I get so excited. Yeah. This, is, this is the best thing about working at DC Comics or working in comics in general, is these characters have been around for so long and we're so affectionate towards them. And just the opportunity to sort of get your hands on them. And, and once, once they turn the keys to that vehicle over to you and you just... Oh, it, honestly, the ideas start coming. It's amazing. I'm sorry that you guys all do not work in comics. I wish you did. Thank you. This will have to be the last question. Yeah, I've got two questions real quick. So I have a question. When you guys get your stuff, do you like go to the office and they present you this and you sit down at a desk and, and write all day and do all that? Or do you do this from home? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and that's the, the other advantage of working at this job, and there are so many, mm -hmm. is that you can live anywhere you want. I mean, we have artists and writers all over the world, and we have FedEx, and we have scanners, and we have the Internet. Nice. And uh, most of us have never been to the office. I mean, I'll go to the office. You don't want to go to the D.C. office. You think you do. Well, it's you a doctor's office. Once in a while. Yeah, go, go to lunch, you know. You want to show your hangdog face if you're, if you're unemployed <laughs> and you need a job. But really, I mean, you know, there's nothing to do there. You'd rather be home. And, you know, we, we do so much chatting over the internet and, and over the telephone. If I'm working with Paul, we're on the phone and, and putting things together. So the last question I have is, I've seen Batman and Superman since, like, the 60s, growing up to the 70s. They had a cartoon, Batman the Animated Series, and there were three kids sitting on the porch step and describing what the Batman was to them. And they were able to show all four artists. So who were your your inspirations growing up, like O'Neill, Alex Rossi, guys like that. I've I, I got to say Jim Apero. Um, I love Jim Apero's Batman. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that um, he, Jim Apero's Batman's expressions are so powerful that they, his eyes make little um, emotion lines in the air in front of him. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, there's something so satisfying about Apero's art. Are we talking about just Batman? Yeah, we should. Oh, it's uh, anything. Not, not Batman, what our inspirations are. Yeah. Um, I grew up with a lot of the same that a lot of people did. John Burns X Men, and I was a big fan of Bernie Wrightson and Barry Windsor. 
Um, maybe oddly, my biggest moment was when I discovered Heavy Metal Magazine in junior high. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I and it was all the uh, saying I'm wrong, but uh, Druyer, Bilal, Kizza, and Mobius, and I'm a, I'm a huge Mobius fan, and that was big for me in in junior high to find those. Um, it's also when Cable was out. I was finding all this uh, Clockwork Orange <laughs> on Cable, finding uh, Heavy Metal magazine. Maybe this is a longer answer than this, but it, the. It, story I have always remember with that is reading Heavy Metal Magazine on the floor. It was like maybe my first year in junior high. And there's naked people in the magazine. Where, where's and, this going? Well, my, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't in my bedroom. It was in the living room. My father looks down and he goes, what are you reading? Because he had no artistic bent at all. And he says to my mother, do you see what he's got? And she goes, leave him alone. <laughs> and that, that was a big influence for me. Uh, it's, I, my big influences, I think, they're, they're constantly changing. Uh, I find that I always go back to some of the old ones that I like, John Byrne, Jim Lee, uh, the classics, the Buscemas, uh, Barry Windsor Smith, as you had mentioned. Um, I was a big fan of uh, the stuff that uh, Neil Adams was doing uh, early on, the Green uh, Lantern, Green Arrow book. My dad used to get all those when I was a kid, and he'd actually keep them in his living room on the side. And uh, he just kind of left it. He, it was funny, he didn't really take care of his comics, just read them like they're supposed to be read. I, I, I just couldn't get over how, how intense the expressions looked in the book and, and how everybody looked so real. And I just couldn't get over how much emotion I got from looking at the drawings that he did. Uh, and it always stuck with me. And so anytime I'm looking at books now, if, if I can find that there's some sort of uh, emotion that's you know, coming through in the book, it's like it always strikes me harder than anything else. I am sitting here because of Batman versus the Incredible Hulk by Lynn Wayne, <laughs> Garcia Lopez, and Dick Giordano. Great. This goes to actually both your questions because I, uh, um, all, all the above, first of all, every, everyone who's been mentioned. And then uh, I was probably the luckiest young aspiring artist on the planet because I happened to live in San Diego before Wildstorm was even formed. And it was Homage Studios. And uh, it was just uh, Jim Lee, Scott Williams, Wills Portacio, and Joe Chido. And uh, I got in as, a, as an intern and ended up staying for five years. And uh, that was, you know, that was my art school. That was my, you know, just everything, everything right there. So, that, you know. Yeah, to me, like um, John Byrne, Todd McFarlane blew my mind when he came out. Big characters on the page, filling the cover with, you know, Pumpkin bombs exploding everywhere. Love that. Also, when I was a kid, stupid cartoon on TV called Hero High, Captain California. Does anybody remember that? It's fucking awesome. They need to, I want to bring that to DC and make it realistic. But my biggest influence of all time is Jack Cole, the creator of Plastic Man, who uh, was so ahead of his time, a student of, of the great Will Eisner, and yet went off in his own divergent way, was not paying attention, was not imitating these other guys, had this one brilliant idea of making a character that stretches, that's been imitated so many other times, and then told the most bizarre stories with Plastic Man that went off on tangents and weird directions, and they're still so good, they're still so worthwhile. DC Archives Plastic Man Volumes 1 through 8, if you guys don't have them in your library, they belong in your library, they're vital, they're still breathing today and uh, the biggest influence on my own work. 
Okay, I'm gonna do it. Thank the creators for being here. Thank you guys for being here. Hi folks, this is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court every Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here at VTWProductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court, your three-hour break from internet porn. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>